Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We're going through this gospel verse by verse. The tagline for our series in John is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is important for us as well because we want to get to Jesus early and often as we get into God's Word. At this time, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have now sung songs worshiping you. We now turn our focus to the proclamation of your Word. Lord, I pray that these truths that you have before us this morning, we can allow to penetrate our hearts, we allow your Holy Spirit to convict for the sole purpose of being stirred to action. Specifically this morning, Lord, I want to pray for anybody who may be here who is unsure whether or not they know you. I pray by the time we are done this morning that they will have a clear answer from you. That they will know you. They will come to be in a personal, intimate relationship with you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the mid-90s, O.J. Simpson's legal team was considered like the dream team of lawyers. He's actually pictured right here with two of his lawyers, maybe two of the most famous. There was actually nine lawyers on his defense team. This is Johnny Cochran and Robert Shapiro. They are side-by-side To O.J. Simpson, most of you remember this trial. It was a big deal when it went on. Without going into details about the trial itself, because really that's not our concern this morning. We're not here for that. It's worth taking a note of something about these nine lawyers, because to achieve a not guilty verdict, because we all know by now that O.J. Simpson was found to be not guilty, but in order to receive a not guilty verdict, what did O.J. have to do? He had to hire nine lawyers. Nine men were employed by Mr. Simpson himself in order to reach a not guilty verdict. Just imagine that legal bill. Just imagine that legal bill. Quite simply, a lawyer is an advocate. That's what a lawyer does, what a defense lawyer does. In this case, an advocate is someone who defends another individual. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is our defender. In fact, Jesus is all of humanity's defender. Jesus is all of humanity's advocate. The problem is all of humanity hasn't accepted Jesus as their defender. They haven't accepted Jesus as their advocate. It's those who believe that have accepted Jesus as their defender and advocate. Well, if it takes nine human lawyers to defend one man, we can be confident that that not guilty verdict was achieved and O.J. got what he maybe did or did not deserve. That's not really the point of why we're even bringing this up. But really the point is this, it took nine men who passed the bar after having gone to law school with all the years of experience they had 
to find a not guilty verdict for O.J. Simpson. But for us, there is only one true God who took on human form as one to defend all of us. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Believe or be judged. Believe or be judged. Today we're going to be in chapter 3 of the book of John, or the gospel of John. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 16 through 21. But before we look at these verses, we need to remember that last week we were reminded that salvation is from the will of God, not man. It is God's will that salvation comes into somebody's life, not the person themselves. Jesus informed Nicodemus last week that he must be born again. Therefore, meaning there is not a how to be saved. There's no tutorial on how to get saved. Today, we're going to be encouraged in the reason behind Jesus' first coming. And we're going to be encouraged in Him being our advocate in judgment. That's the encouragement. Jesus is our advocate in judgment. Let's get into this text and see exactly what we're talking about this morning. John chapter 3. Verses 16 through 21. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through Him. The one who believes in Him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light so that his deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. Amen. To put these verses into a simple sentence as our main idea, it looks just like this. Jesus came to save us from judgment. Jesus came to save us from judgment. That was the reason behind Jesus' first coming. Now, as we start off right there with verse 16, it's probably the most recognizable verse in all of Scripture. However, for as recognizable as it is, the fact remains that it's probably still one of the most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. And and that seems kind of contrary to most of us. We think that John 3.16 is rather straightforward, but now we're hearing that it could be one of the most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture. See, for over 2,000 years, people have added to the gospel. That's really the problem. For 2,000 years plus, people have adopted what we call Jesus plus. I'm a good person. My good outweighs my bad. That's Jesus plus. It's, yeah, I accept Jesus. I, 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 yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying about Jesus, but, but I'm also a good person too. 
See, what, what, what people try to do is make it about what Jesus has done on top of what they have done, or they take what Jesus has done and then add to it, thinking that that which they add on top of what Jesus has already done will please God. The truth remains the same. Those who believe what God has said are the ones who receive eternal salvation. So what is it that God has actually said? See, we know that he says anybody who believes in Jesus is saved. And that's what we're unpacking this morning. See, these are also the ones who receive eternal salvation because even the excellence of the education received by Nicodemus that we saw last week, even though he was an aristocrat for his day. He was on the top tier of society, highly educated, extremely wealthy and successful. Even though he had all that Jewish training as a rabbi, as a member of the Pharisees, as one who sat on the Sanhedrin, making him part of the Jewish Supreme Court, even though he had those credentials behind his name, he still tried to add to what he was hearing from the law. He wanted to add to the law because he knew that the law did nothing more than reveal his sinfulness to him. Why? Why would he do this? Because he didn't believe. He only knew. He only knew the law. He didn't believe what the law was telling him about himself and his own sinfulness. This Jesus plus that we do today, this my amount of good outweighs my amount of bad, is nothing new. It was going on in Judaism, and we see it here today alive and well in Christianity. Intellectually, Nicodemus knew the Ten Commandments, didn't he? But he didn't believe. The law revealed sinfulness. The law re reveals our sinfulness as well. It doesn't change because now that we know Jesus, his motto was just that. I'm a good person. My good outweighs my bad. And that's the exact same motto of the modern man. Same motto. Hasn't changed. No one, though, and I repeat, no one except Jesus could keep the law. So it doesn't matter what we add to it. It doesn't matter what we try to take away so we can achieve something on our own. Only Jesus could satisfy every last letter of the law. And this is exactly why verse 16 says, everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I can't stress enough The phrase, believes in Him. Not themselves or enough good over bad, but believes in Him. Remember, it took nine lawyers to reach a not guilty verdict for O.J. Simpson. So tell me again what you can do on your own. I mean, think about it. What is it that you really can do on your own? O.J. Simpson and all his fame and fortune had to go to great lengths just to be found not guilty. So what is it that we can do on our own? I would say nada, nothing, zilch, nil, zero. 
There's nothing that we can do on our own to satisfy God other than accepting and receiving the faith that He has given us. So, four times in these three verses, and that's why we, we stress this phrase, believes in Him. Four times in these three verses, Jesus varies the use of the word believe. No matter the variation, the message remains the same. It's believe and escape judgment or deny belief and be judged. It's either or this morning. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save. So if Jesus didn't come to judge, then what did He come to do? Well, we said He came to save, right? But how? In which way? What does this salvation look like? See, Jesus came, and we're going to go ahead and stick with our court theme that we already opened up with. Jesus came to pardon. Being pardoned is actually a governmental decision that relieves a person from the legal consequences resulting from a criminal conviction. You've been criminally convicted, and he came to pardon. Unfortunately, those who do not believe only view God as a judge. They don't understand that Jesus is God himself. He also can pardon. Those who believe understand that Jesus is, in fact, that. He is our pardon. So why is this so? Why is it that Jesus is our pardon? Why is it that Jesus came to be our pardon? Well, it's because those who believe understand that they've already been judged. This comes from verse 18. See, we were condemned by our first birth. Again, this is why Jesus told Nicodemus last week, you must be born again. You must be born again because that first birth that you had out of your mom's womb already condemned you in judgment to hell as a guilty sinner. Guilty sinner. We were all born guilty as charged. But the one who believes in Him is not judged because they were as we were reminded last week, born again. Again, this is why Jesus is seen as the pardon. According to Scripture, it's far better to be pardoned than it is to be found not guilty. Wait, that doesn't make any sense, does it? But it makes all the sense in the world. It is far better to be pardoned in Scripture according to the Bible it's far better to receive a pardon than it is a not guilty conviction. And some of you would say, wait, hold on. Because if I go to the court of law and I stand through the whole trial and the judge comes back from the jury's decision and tells me that I've been found not guilty, that means I'm guilt-free. But it's not necessarily true, is it? And I'm not going to say any more about O.J. Simpson, am I? Do you think he's the only one that we think that about or know that about? Just because you are found not guilty in the court of law doesn't mean you're actually not guilty. 
That's why Scripture tells us we need a pardon. Because we are guilty. There are many men and women who have been found not guilty in the court of law, but in the, you know, opinion of the public, they're still guilty. We were born guilty. And God has given us His pardon in the form of Jesus who took on human flesh and came to earth not to judge, but to pardon. Brothers and sisters, when you're found not guilty, it just means you're free from the consequences of your guilt. We're all guilty. Therefore, if we're honest, we all understand that we all need a pardon. And this brings us to our first point this morning. Guilty sinners who believe in Jesus receive a pardon. Guilty sinners who believe in Jesus receive a pardon. Again, we stated this as our main idea that Jesus came to save us from judgment. That was our main idea this morning, that Jesus came to save us from our judgment. And as we move on to verse 19 through 21, okay, so we've talked about the pardon. We know the title of the sermon is Believe or Be Judged, and we've talked about this pardon, so if we believe we receive the pardon from Jesus, now it's time to talk about the judgment. See, what does it say? The light has come into the world, but the light is a revelation of the pardon. That's what the light is. The light reveals that Jesus himself is the pardon. The pardon has been made known. But people, as it says right here, love the darkness rather than the light. People accept judgment and turn down the pardon. That doesn't make any bit of sense to me. People will accept judgment while turning down the pardon being offered by Jesus. Why? Well, I think it's simple. It's because they're seeking a not guilty verdict. Again, what do people do? What did Nicodemus do? I'm a good person. I do good. I do more good than I do do bad. I mean, I know I do bad, but I mean I do more good than the bad that I actually do. So therefore, I believe my good outweighs my bad and God will be satisfied with me. No. Believes in Him. Believes in Him. People will say, I'm going to do just enough good so that I can keep doing the evil I love. Really, that's what they're saying when they say these things. I'm going to do just enough good to keep doing the evil that I love. Do you know what this is called? This is called having your cake and eating it too. Brothers and sisters, we cannot outperform the cross. We cannot outperform the cross. This has been likened actually to a father and young son playing catch. 
no matter how close the father, and we're talking a young son, no matter how close that father stands to his son when his son's young and he's first learning how to play catch, the son's throws are going to go away. They're going to be missing the mark. Our biblical example of this comes from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. God's word states this, For all of us have, been, have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our wrongdoings like the wind take us away. The filthy garment mentioned by Isaiah in this text translated from the original Hebrew into modern English, are nothing more than minstrel cycle rags. I'll repeat that again. Brothers and sisters, all of our righteous deeds that we do on our own are nothing more than used minstrel cycle rags before the Lord. I know, I get it, it seems grotesque, It seems a little disgusting, and it is. Because when we attempt to do righteousness on our own, that's how God looks at it. When we attempt to do righteousness outside of our belief and faith in Jesus, that's how God looks at it. Because we are trying to save ourselves. We are trying to do more good to outweigh our bad. Charles Spurgeon says this, If men did not hug their sins, they'd embrace their Savior. So as we go back to verses 19 through 21, we recognize the reason for judgment. And the reason for judgment is found right there in verse 21. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed by God, or been performed in God. Any deed done apart from God will be judged by God as sin. As a holy God, He cannot and He will not allow mankind to plagiarize His work. Again, who performed the deeds? God. Brothers and sisters, the day of judgment is coming. So the question for us would be, whose work are you turning in? Are you turning in the work of Jesus? Or are you going to turn in your own work? The one who practices the truth is the one who believes. The one who practices the truth, as it says, comes to the light because the light exposes salvation. Therefore, believers should hate their sin and love righteousness. So as Joe comes up and joins me, God's word is clear that salvation is not our work. It is evidently clear that salvation is not our work. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Starting in verse 8, God's word says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
Grace is part of our name. Because we know grace is unmerited favor. Because we know that grace is a gift. God has gifted us our faith in Jesus. He has gifted us our belief in Him and His work. Just like He told Nicodemus last week, the wind blows where it wishes. The same is true about the faith within our hearts. He's blown it to whom He wishes. It's His work, His redemption, His pardon. So why does it have to be this way? Why? Because if it were our work, our redemption, our own pardon, you know what we'd do? We would do exactly what verse 9 right here in Ephesians 2.9 says. We would boast. We would brag. We would say, look what I did. Remember, the day of judgment is coming. And it's coming for those who plagiarize the work of Jesus. So allow me to ask you this one question just one last time. Whose work are you going to turn in? And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. Judgment is reserved for those who deny Jesus. Judgment is reserved for those who deny Jesus. Again, our first point this morning stated that guilty sinners who believe in Jesus receive a pardon. And finally, our main idea stated that Jesus came to save us from judgment. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is to allow your word to penetrate, motivate, edify. I pray that we can encourage each other in that. Use us to share your good news as a body of believers. Use us in our relationships to make disciples so disciples can be made. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.